I was actually thinking that we should start the show and just not say anything about it. Like, literally not say anything. And then at the end, be like, hey, you might have noticed that Mom wasn't here today. It'd be pretty funny. But no, we won't do that. That'd be mean. If you say so. I was, I was actually listening to an episode of a podcast that I regularly listen to, Accidental Tech Podcast. And they uh, had a guest on because one of the other hosts was out of commission. He was ill. And they started the show and, and didn't say anything. It's just this person on. And like I'd heard her on other podcasts, so I know who she was. But they just didn't say anything for like 10 minutes. And they're like, hey, uh, so for those who don't know who you are, <laughs> do you want to say who you are? And then she's all like, oh, people should know who I am. Because was actually the host's wife. Oh. And he like talks about her all the time. But, yeah. But uh, if you but don't hear her voice, funny. right? Yeah, exactly. So, it's like me. No one knows who I am. <laughs> yeah. I only I only <laughs> fill in at like desperate times. <laughs> I'm glad to know that, that this is a desperate, <laughs> this is a desperate, desperate, desperate enough desperate for you time. to get called into action. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you got stuck with me. Well, no, the, the, the pinch hitter is like an important part of the team. Oh, yeah. I think. Isn't it? It's like yeah. clutch. It's yeah. Clutch. When in critical times, you, you need something reliable. <laughs> Yeah, something high quality. How, how does one baseball? Is this important? No baseball. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the uh, second backup because we have so Dan and then Chelsea's his regular co-host in Vancouver, uh, and if she can't do it, then we have another guy here that will sometimes fill in when he's available. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just here if no one else is available. So what you're saying is you're like the accountant goalie that pretty much yeah recently filled in and performed very amazingly so yeah i have high hopes so trina for those for those who don't know who you are uh would you like to introduce yourself yeah hi i am trina shessel i am part of the northern nerd network and we have a podcast as well called the northern nerd cast cool and and we've been on the show before nick and i mm-hmm. so uh that was a really fun time and and you know we, we felt that it was uh, a good opportunity to kind of return the favor and, and have you guys on and i think we're we're in for a treat here uh rob is still away on dad slash baby duty um i don't know if he's aware but the dad slash baby part lasts for longer than two months but i guess <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when it when it comes um but no, two months from now like, my god guys did you know i still have a baby <laughs> it's, it's like on that episode of the office when when michael's like it's like, I don't even know if I'll want a baby in two months. Um, yeah, anyway, Trina's here, and we're, we're happy to have her. So uh, let's let's jump right in here. We've got a couple points of follow-up here. Um, so last episode, I mentioned that I was wanting to try Schmilk. It is a Soylent alternative, or Soylent competitor, I guess you'd call it. A meal and, replacement, uh, perhaps. Meal replacement, yes, indeed. Nutritional complete beverage thing. We're getting to powder. the point where it's ta- it's taking on like Xerox territory. You know, it's like Soylent. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like longtime listeners of the show should should know what Soylent is. But yes, it, it is a meal replacement beverage. Uh, not dissimilar to something like Boost or Ensure, but it tends to be a bit less... I don't know if artificial is the right word. It's it's but, like those, but it's designed such that you could subsist on it alone 
and still be okay. Whereas you shouldn't do that with a lot of like other products that people might be familiar with. Yeah, I think a lot of them are, are marked more as a supplement to say, you know, if you're not getting your vitamins, then you can take this beverage. But they're they're trying to develop a couple different products that you can just have that and you'll be fine. Like from, you know, your yeah. macros, like your proteins, carbohydrates, uh, you obviously vitamins, fats, all that fats kind of Fats are stuff. the other one. Yeah, fats. There you go. So, uh, <laughs> okay, two out, of, two out of three macros isn't bad, Nick. Yeah, no, you're on point. This is good. Um, so anyway, I was trying to get a hold of some Schmilk. Um, most of these products are, are ordered online. You can't find them locally, so you have to order them online, get them shipped to you. And in the case of Schmilk, they are based out of the States. So when they ship their product to me, it along the way got lost and never arrived. I wonder, is that like a, I don't know what our FDA is called, but at the border are like food and drug because it's not been approved for use here. Did they kind of yeah, so, step um, in? Or? Nick, help me out here. What's, what's the regulatory agency called? I believe we would be talking about Health Canada in this particular Mm. scenario, but it would be the Canada Border Services Agency that would be at the border. Yeah, for 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 the shipping part, but I will do some real time for the shipping part. That that is like crossing the border. That's the deal. No, no, the agency that said the soil wasn't allowed to sell in Canada. Health Canada. That was a different agency. That wasn't Health Canada. Well, it wasn't Health Canada. It was like a division of Health Canada. Mm. Anyway, let's go with Health Canada. I know what Let's you're get saying. into another semantic debate Canadian, here, Mike. We've <laughs> only Canadian had FDA. like one or two of those this week. Why That's not like, a third? Why not? That, Let's just go for it. So at that rate, you may just say like Trudeau is not letting Soylent sell in Canada because <laughs> they're all under Trudeau. Like, yeah, there you go. The Queen <laughs> is not letting Soylent into Canada because it's all under the executive of the Queen. Exactly. So it got held up at the border um, and oh. got lost on the tracking and... I, the follow-up that I'd like to mention is that my Schmilk actually arrived. Oh, they let it, it arrived, through. It arrived yesterday. Literally yesterday. After two months? The ship date on the package is January 29th. So, nice. So they tested that. your Schmilk and figured out <laughs> there were no like radioactive isotopes in it and let it through. Well, I, yeah, I, I have no idea what actually happened with it, but like it arrived, so I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, but it's funny because after waiting basically a month, if not six weeks for my Schmilk, I was like, okay, screw it. I'm going to order something different because there are a couple other alternatives uh, to Soylent. So one of them is, well, there's a bunch actually. There's like Joylent. There's one called Jimmy Joy. Maybe that is Joylent. I'm confused. Um, and then, yeah, th- anyway, there's a couple others. So I tried one called Whole Food, which is what was recommended by the guy who owns or runs Schmilk or Super Super Body Fuel. And they have a shipping post based out of Mississauga. So it's obviously easier to ship into Canada when you're already in Canada. You don't have to deal with the, the border stuff. So I was able to order that and I tried that and it was really good. But after I received that, then the, basically around the same time, my Schmilk actually arrived. So I was able to try both at the same time. And I have to say that I do like the whole food shake better. Uh, just nicer flavor like you literally can't taste any of like the aspartame or uh, artificial sweeteners in it or flavorings or anything like that it's just a nice chocolatey taste whereas the schmilk that i tried 
there's quite a bit of a artificial sweetener aftertaste to it. Um, but I did try the cinnamon flavor of the schmilk and it, and it was quite good, you know, all things considered, given that it had that artificial sweetener aftertaste. Did you feel full after? I did actually. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where like you expect to have to, you know, have like snacks in between meals. So ideally, instead of having three large meals, you have, you know, four or five like lower calorie meals. So a serving of the schmilk is about three to 400 calories after you mix it with milk. And then the whole food, they, the serving size is quoted as two scoops, which is 500 calories. And that's without mixing with anything. So if you add water, then obviously your calorie content wouldn't go up. But I, what I did, I used one scoop of the whole food and mixed it with milk to basically have the same sort of calorie content as the, uh, the schmilk that I was trying. And that, that seemed to hold me over for a couple hours until I had like, you know, another, another little snack and, and that kind of thing. So it's been working out for me pretty well. Um, I, I just don't like having to think about what I'm going to eat. Like I, I eat because I'm hungry. Um, mm-hmm. like for, you for grab for din- what's there. Kind of. It's like, I I just, I'm very lazy. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> like I get up in the morning and I don't want to like have to make myself lunch. So it's like, I'll either take leftovers from dinner before, or I'll like throw together a sandwich or I'll just like buy Subway or something like that at lunch, which I mean, you can't go wrong with Subway, but it's, uh, it's not as exactly a, a good plan to have to have Subway every day. Real time so, follow up here. Sorry. We are talking about the CFIA, the Canadian yes. Food Inspection Agency. There we go. Yes. Which, See, I knew there's an I and an F and an A in there, they but had, I couldn't remember what order they were. They had a an investigation triggered after the, I think, the issues with the bars. With the... Yeah, no. Bars? No, the, the, the bars the, were a separate big, issue. It was just the big recall. Yeah, so so the bars the bars were recalled by Soylent voluntarily because they were having bad uh, reactions with some people having them. The CFIA mm-hmm. part was because the nutrition labeling was not up to Canadian standards. Um, so like we had a whole backstory about it, and and initially it was thought that it was because it didn't have enough fat content to be calling itself a meal replacement. But there's actually a whole list of things that it didn't meet according to government standards. So, Oh yeah. It was like um, too much fat, um, too many, more than one prohibited additive. (laughs) (laughs) One's fine. Like, yeah, you're not allowed to put any of these in. Well, you can put one in, but not two. I swear to God, if you put two in. This show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ETB. The Alberta Podcast Network is proud to be a sponsor of this year's Pod Summit, Western Canada's podcast conference. Join us May 5th, 2018 at CKOA in Edmonton for a day of learning and connection making, plus some amazing giveaways. If you have a podcast, you will learn how to make it sound amazing, grow your audience, and create a show your listeners will love. If you don't have a podcast, you'll learn how to start one, and we'll be happy to welcome you to the community. Tickets are just $150, and they are limited, so don't delay. Get yours at podsummit.com. See you on May 5th. Thanks to Alberta Podcast Network for sponsoring our show. No, I also worked with the CFIA at work recently because they do a lot of stuff related to phytosanitation. And I want to thank our CFIA overlords for, for being so nice and reasonable. <laughs> so what's what's 
You said phytosanitation? Phytosanitation. What's that? Uh, so at work, we deal with regulated soils as a, as a external standard to test. And a regulated soil is one that comes from somewhere outside Canada. And do you remember the book, Everything's Going to Kill Everybody, from one of the Cracked authors? Not specifically. I recall a couple different books that were similar in nature. Okay, well, just to to illustrate the problems that can come out of, you know, tossing soil around willy-nilly, um, they tested a a bacteria that was going to be used for ethanol production, and it was really good at converting everything into ethanol. And for additional context, um, first-generation ethanol production is where you're taking things like grain and fermenting it to alcohol to use as a fuel. But that's not great because you're then getting into a food versus fuel economy, and like the price of corn is going to go up because you're using it for all this yada, yada, yada. Anyway... So what you really want to get is to second gen, where you're using just base cellulose, so you don't have to use the kernels of corn that we eat. You can use the rest of the stock to provide a feedstock. And so they had a bacteria that was doing this really well, but they tested it in regular soil, or sterilized soil, to see how it would react, and it was fine. But then one of the peer reviewers said you should really try this in non-sterilized soil to see to see what happens and turns out that bacteria entirely colonized all of the non-sterile soil and managed to like metabolize everything and convert it to alcohol like all the non or all the inorganic materials survived but the Organic materials were all converted. So if there had been an outbreak of this bacteria, it would just, like, consume everything and salt the earth with ethanol. And that would be your continent just done. Wow. So it is important that the CFIA makes sure that you're not just, you know, tossing soil out the door because bad things can get in and then just colonize the Americas. Wow. Well, I was, I was thinking about uh, how when you travel, there's signs of postal over the airport on your declaration and on your declaration form. It's like if you've been to a farm mm-hmm. or whatever recently, like you need to declare that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I presume for that reason, because of the soil, soil contamination. Well, and there, I mean, there are also animal diseases, but. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I, I guess like when, when you think about soil, like it's its own like ecosystem effectively right so mm-hmm. just the what's in the soil like the organic matter like that if you cross contaminate that you you could end up in a bad situation yeah. you know diseases aside and that's why i boiled a lot of dirt dirty water <laughs> last couple weeks for work that's right yes. <laughs> i mean this is aside from my usual like dirt slurry boiling that i do as a hobby you mean more more dirt boiling than you normally do yeah yeah that's right that's right i got to take my passion and bring that into the workplace um anyway that's uh that's my schmilk follow-up nick you had some follow-up on some nuclear energy news did i ever now if I'm recalling correctly, and I might not be, the first self-sustaining nuclear reactor in the world is shutting down. 
pausing for gasps. <gasps> there we go. Yeah, so the the first reactor in Chalk River, Ontario is shutting down. How you come? Might, because it is so old. Oh. <laughs> I think it started operation in, I, I want to say, 1957. No, it was even before that. I can't remember. But this is like, again, if I'm recalling correctly, this was the reactor they set up as part of the uh, the Manhattan Project with the atomic... So 1947, probably. So that's where it started its life. And it started as like one of the one of the first research institutions focusing on atomic energy and I mean also atomic weaponry, but it's it's just so crazy that this has been around for so long and they finally went, Okay guys, we, we actually need to stop this. And you will remember it from a few years ago when it stopped producing medical isotopes and everyone had a great big freak out about it. Do you remember mm. that, Mike? No, I don't. I see. <laughs> it's just like all my pure science stories where we can talk about it for five minutes and be like, wow, Nick, that's that's nice that you're so passionate about things. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the Manhattan Project. You're saying that this was just coincidentally around the same time or is built no, for like the, the Manhattan Project? The nuclear scientists of the Manhattan Project helped work on this reactor I oh. think during the war mm. is that because just Ontario is very mineral rich for the no it's because uh, it was far away from ship? everything <laughs> and they were like man if this goes wrong we need this to go wrong like away from people <laughs> we need a big slab of granite that's not going to do anything with the radioactive material is that basically no that's that's not it no it's like it's a whole big thing. I encourage all readers and Mike to look up the National Research Universal Reactor. Okay. We'll put a link in the show notes. People can read it. Okay. Sorry. 1949. <laughs> okay. Cool. So that's 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 very sad. It, it seems like... Was it a functional reactor or was it just kind of there still? Just oh, it, being there. It was functioning. I mean... You don't really want to just stop the core willy-nilly. Can't just pour cold water on it? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's like the worst thing you can do. (laughs) You'll get a steam explosion. Um, Cool. So today, you know, we're 20 minutes into the show already. Um, We wanted to, to bring up the Facebook whole debacle thing it's been happening for i think a month at this point now i think when when we did our last show it was just coming up or just being talked about i think nick can you recall when you wanted to talk about this first no okay anyway it's been in the news for a bit but i feel it's worth talking about it because i think uh it's a bit more there, there's more coming to light with it um like zuckerberg just did a deposition questioning trial thing in front of people and cameras and stuff and that was a whole that was a whole deal so i i think for posterity we should mention it so that we can say we've talked about it and i'm interested to talk about it too just for kind of the more 
general considerations as far as uh, social media and online privacy and that kind of stuff go. I think it's it's pretty interesting to think about because these days social media, like everyone's involved in it. It's, it's common to everyone. And, and I think we, we all kind of go through our daily pace without thinking too much about what we're putting online. And I think internalizing the level of privacy and security or lack thereof that's actually out there. Um, so, so Nick... Yes. Did you want to introduce us to this to this story in some small way? I mean, the big freakout started, yeah, it would have been at least three weeks ago or so when, oh man, this is terrible radio because I'm thinking. <laughs> so so the, the New York Times, in collaboration with a couple of their newspapers, did a whole kind of investigation on the firm Cambridge Analytica and they were based out of Massachusetts and they were contracted out by the Trump campaign to do some analysis on uh, demographics and marketing to them and trying to, you know, quote unquote, influence voters. I mean, that's what every political campaign is about. So Cambridge bought data from Facebook and you know that's facebook's whole business model is using data to make money and it turns out that that data that they used was a little bit questionable and whether they were a allowed to even have it and what they did with it so that that's kind of the whole scandal right now is why how were they able to get this data or why were they allowed to and with what they did with it is that ethical or should they have been allowed to do that i guess that's that's kind of the whole question here i'm, I'm not as interested in talking about the political aspects though i think we should oh still man because that's like I think... my biggest interest in the whole story <laughs> i was gonna say no i was gonna say i think i think nick you can kind of shed some light on that uh just give a bit of context to, to what was going on with that but i also want to touch on the the idea of putting information online specifically you know in this case facebook and what we expect to have done with that data and where you know what what value we place on that data and it being kept within facebook so um as far as the political stuff goes nick maybe you can kind of get us started on that so the political stuff kind of centers around cambridge analytica as i understand it and cambridge analytica got a hold of some facebook like large data sets or something like that and I believe that was via an app or something like that on Facebook. And honestly, like my take on that is they like it, it's pretty clear what Facebook has access to and the apps tell you what they want access to. And so people handed it over and like later Facebook did get a hold of a few people with these kinds of data sets and said, hey, guys, um, you're not supposed to have this. And they were like, cool, cool, okay. And Facebook was like, can you delete those, please? And the places were like, yeah, we can totally do that. And Facebook was like, do you swear? And they were like, we swear. <laughs> like, do you swearsies? Can we have a pinky swear on this? And they were like, totally swearsies. Like, we're cool, Facebook. We're cool. And they're like, okay, I think this wall warrants zero follow-up whatsoever. Okay, I think we're good now. And so... Like the the political significance is that I want to say Cambridge Analytica was involved with the Trump campaign, and I also want to say the Leave campaign in 
the UK with yeah, like the Brexit. The whole, yeah. I would say Brexit, but yes, it was a part of that thing. Do uh, you say exit? I do say exit because it has an X in it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, how many how many archipelagos are in the UK, Nick? What does Can a child do to a house on Halloween? It exit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Pause for awkwardness and onwards. So, and it came out of a whistleblower with wonderfully pink hair who also has a Canadian connection, which is why CBC followed it so closely. He worked on, I think, a mid to late aughts liberal campaign. And most of the liberal party members who were asked about him had no recollection of this guy. But one person who did recall who he was said, yeah, he was like super into micro-targeting based on large data sets. <laughs> so I read that line. I was like, so he was like a decade ahead of the curve. Good for that guy. I can see why he worked for such a big firm. But yeah, so the like w- within a political context, the ability to have that much data on that many people, like... Facebook grants you the ability to micro-target your ads, so targeting to this specific demographic with these interests. Like, it can correlate really highly with, um, I don't know, swing voters or voters that you really want to mobilize within a campaign. And if you can eke out, like, just the tiniest difference in the right places or within the right people, you can absolutely swing a swing an election in the direction you want it to go. No, And, like, with Brexit and the Trump campaign in mind, you can swing an election in spite of what the polls are saying about that election. I, th- I think between Trump and Brexit, I, I feel like both had the potential to go either way. I don't think it was... Like, I'd be more surprised if, say, like in the Canadian election, where, you know, somehow, like, the NDPs had government all of a sudden for whatever reason, right? Where where it wasn't really seen as a possibility. I mean, not, not to say they weren't expected to, like, get seats, but, you know, where they had majority kind of thing, right? It's like, well, where did that come from? Like, how did that happen? Like, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's easy to attribute it to the Cambridge Analytica thing because we know that that's what happens like oh that must be why but I, I feel like there was so much just general discussion on social media just between people outside of advertising or whatnot that that was kind of always going to be like a coin flip well it is yeah. a perfect storm like there are there are many factors at play but I think you're under you're undervaluing like the sheer surprise of the Trump election like on the night of Trump had one, like there was one path to victory. He had to win all the states he eventually won. And Hillary had like, I don't remember the actual numbers, but it was like, it was, I think at least a couple dozen combinations that she could have won with. And it, the one that actually happened was the one specific to Trump. And so, I mean, Ruski troll bots, Cambridge Analytica, like, it was a variety of factors, but even contributing to that, like, peculiar win is quite a feat. Hmm. 
Mm, yes. Mm. So I feel I, like I'm it would like, be hard to say for sure. Yes, this did have that amount of impact over that specific election, though. Like, are yeah, they are they of, trying to quantify it at all? Like, it's a lot of correlation causation mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and there's statistics that you can use to try to pull causation out of correlation but in this case like I, I don't know what you can do to be able to say that yeah those people voted that way because of the influence that the Cambridge Analytica involvement had Nick you're absolutely yeah. right on that point but given their involvement with two long odds right-wing populist movements it's pretty impressive yeah I, I think the bigger issue that I have is the Russian involvement in this whole thing because I I guess the Cambridge Analytica firm had connections to Russia and had meetings with them and whatever and similar to the pinky swear on the the data stuff it's like is that so did you uh yeah there's like a whole thing where they were having meetings with Russia like Russian politicians or whatever and you know they're being asked like were you talking about politics it's like oh no no it was just a visit yeah, we're, we're just two guys talking. There's no politics happening. Just that's also what like Trump campaign members said. What's that? That like those direct quotes. They're like, you know, you uh, talk to this this Ruski at this dinner. He's like, did I? That's crazy. I wouldn't have talked about politics. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, there the, there there was the the Cambridge Analytica had had Russian involvement as well at least if my the, heavens the uh articles that i was reading were accurate okay so um there's yeah. a lot of anyway. meetings with russians not talking about politics leading up to that <laughs> russians <laughs> must be like really good company yeah i i <laughs> actually hear that they are <laughs> talking about hockey yeah and vodka no um, they're, they're very respectful and social culture yes I can't speak for myself because I, I don't know many Russians. They have a ton of verb tenses it. based on who you're talking um, to, like whether you're talking to a peer or whether you're talking to someone older or younger or if you respect them or if you don't respect them. There's like conjugation sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into the, the social media privacy aspect because uh, I, I think that's, I mean, at least within the context of this podcast, it's a bit more interesting. Not not to say that politics isn't interesting, Nick, but this is also the least interesting part of the story for me, but go on. <laughs> um, so I I guess the the reaction from the public after this came out has been mixed, but generally negative. Um but I, I think there's there's actually a pretty healthy mix of people saying, How could they give away our data like that? That was my data. And then there's people who are like, well, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, what did I think was going to happen with my data? Um, so, so Trina, I, I, what, what's, what's your, how, how involved in social media are you, and what type of information do you put online, or, or what are your expectations of the information that you hand over to companies like Facebook or Google or, or Snapchat or whatever company that you might be be using their services for yeah i um use most of them i haven't been on twitter in a while but i frequently i frequent facebook um i put everything on there <laughs> pretty much i try to be a little more careful but like pictures of my kids and 
you know, what I had for breakfast and what restaurant I'm at. And I try not to like give too much personal information as far as like what school my kids go to and, you know, what, where we are at a certain time and all that. But I also know that it's not private. And I, I have an issue with people that are, that like repost all these things. Like they're going to sell your information if you don't share this 25 times. And it's like, (laughs) they're selling your information anyway. (laughs) It's just, I, I kind of feel like my information's out on the internet if I put it there, someone has the opportunity to get to it. It's, you know, I'm responsible for what I put out there. I mean, I, and I, yeah, I don't know that I want it to be sold. And I don't think, I don't feel it's fair that people are selling information, but I also feel like if I don't want people to know things, then it's my responsibility not to put it up there. Blockchain. You may have heard about blockchain as it relates to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Blockchain plays a part in making sure transactions are secure and verifiable. ATB has already been leveraging blockchain technology in how international money transfers between financial institutions are made, and they are also building systems for maintaining identity records with that same technology. ATB is also tackling a very local topic, Oil Settlement Day. Oil Settlement Day happens on the 25th of every month, where representatives across the energy industry would meet to balance their respective books with each other. As this involves many transactions that require scrupulous record-keeping and traceability, ATB recognized it as a perfect candidate for similar application of blockchain. ATB has developed a blockchain proof-of-concept with the help of IBM that has the potential to make Oil Settlement Day a quick, frictionless, and transparent experience for all members involved. It provides a completely secure and private blockchain system that all participants in the transaction can access. Once contracts are entered into the blockchain system, users will have universal and permission visibility of their own contracts, which means that when Oil Settlement Day rolls around on the 25th, the system can take care of all transactions almost instantly. No more manual money moving at your local branch, and no more clients staring at their bank accounts waiting for funds to arrive. Just slick transactions happening at a scheduled time, but with more trust. This could have a huge positive impact both on the oil industry in Alberta and worldwide, as well as on how ATB does business every day. To learn more about this and many other projects ATB is working on, head to atbalphabeta.com. Thanks to ATB for supporting our show. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a, become a cliche at this point, but, like, if you're paying for a service, or if you're using a service, but you're not paying for it, then there's some other way that that service is making money, which, you know, quote unquote, makes you the product. Like, I, I think that's a bit melodramatic, but in, in a sense, it's true. It's you're using Facebook and it's this giant global company that has like billion dollar trillion, you know, not trillion at this point, but billion dollar valuation. And it's you don't have to pay for it. Like, that's like they must be doing something to make money or or have value for that company. So in this case, it's you know having this giant giant data set on demographics, and you know they have a responsibility to make sure that data is treated properly. But you're you know and it's all in the you know end user license agreements that no one reads. But you're, you're I mean or even if you do read it, you're gonna click on agree anyway you know, they have that data and they're able to use that for third parties for blah, 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 blah. So the fact that Cambridge, like firms like Cambridge Analytica had your data, that shouldn't be a surprise. I, th- I think the surprise comes in 
in this specific case where the app that was being used. So just to be clear, the app that they're referring to is like a Facebook app, similar to like Farmville or whatever type, you know, in Facebook app that you get a billion invites for that I turned off people and being able to invite me to. Um, but it's those types of things where you grant those apps access to your profile. But I guess this specific app had also a thing where it had access to your friend's profile information as well. Okay. Yeah, because so, on those apps, when you click like, which celebrity are you? And it yeah. specifically says, do you allow this app to post to your wall as you? Do you allow this app your access to your profile? Yeah, no, exactly. So. And and so in this case, and, and that part's even fine for me, because mm-hmm. if you're agreeing to it, then that's up to you. But because this app granted access to your friends' profiles as well, yeah. that's it was up. like, well, that's not what I wanted. Like, if you're that friend, right? It's like, yeah. why Why should I be, why should my data be given to this company if I'm not even knowing that they're having it, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of the shady part with this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole political stuff kind of as a cherry on top. Do you allow good buddy Igor access <laughs> to all data? Please say yes. Uh, no, no, I do not. Um, so... That's yeah, that's that's kind of my my approach to all this. And and I'm similar to you where like I I put stuff on, you know, Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I'll put pictures and even to a point like I, I think it's more the kind of encouragement from my wife to say, you know, maybe don't like say where a child goes to school. Yeah. Not that I intentionally say it, but it's like, oh I guess that's kind of a good point. Like it's not yeah. really relevant, whatever. But also yeah, post a picture of us at the park or like whatever, right? Yeah. Um and and it's like don't check into every place you're going with your family. You know, yeah, like exactly. I'm gonna check into my <laughs> dance class where I go every Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Like Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I put my kids' full names in. Yeah. But but even with that, if you're if you're going to do that, like you kind of trust that you're not going to be targeted for anything. Yeah. Like and and maybe it's ignorance or you know, delusion or naivete i don't know what what you'd call it but it's like unless someone is being specifically targeted then like chances are like that data or that info isn't going to be used for anything so you just you you hope that no one feels like they want to target you but mm-hmm. like i think at this point most of us have enough stuff online that someone could probably put together a pretty good picture of who someone is and what they do and whatever if they did enough investigation into it and, and i've even seen examples of that i think like reddit has had a couple threads where like someone has like docked someone you know to a point where it's like oh yeah this is where they go to school this is what they where they go to work this is like their usual shift like whatever just based on like their online like social media posts right but it's a lot a lot of work to put all that information together yeah i mean you'd have to be specifically targeting one specific person to do it that way and be like well i want to know about this guy and what he's doing when yeah and I mean, like in the case of Cambridge Analytica, like they were looking to have just almost like metadata demographic information, trying to figure out what types of profiles to target their ads to. I, I now I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I have a feeling that they're not saying, okay, we want to target this profile, this profile, this profile, because I don't think Facebook lets you do that. But I think that you can just analyze, you know, the profiles that, you know, all these people like this type of Facebook page. So it's like, okay, well, we want to target those types of people. Yeah. Where it's like, Um, oh, these people like indoor playgrounds and diaper sales. Oh, they must be parents. Let's target them 
because yeah. this is about that. Yeah, and and I've I've even seen it on, and you know we've talked about it on the show before about targeted advertising, and and I'm honestly I'm okay with targeted advertising. I actually prefer it because it's advertising that I actually be interested in seeing. Like if I'm gonna see some ads, I'd rather be relevant to me. Oh my! I, I, I what if those ads were targeted to someone? that a political party thought they could swing what then michael what then well it's it's my own it's my own fault for being swung like i i no like i'm serious like i think the people the people who are being you know quote-unquote swung like they they would have done that anyway like i don't know if if you're like that's the definition of a swing voter is like they're i don't know influenced by outside sources yeah like Willing to vote maybe, either maybe, way, maybe. that is the definition of a swing voter. <laughs> like, maybe that's just my my confidence, you know, uh, false or not, that I'm not that easily influenced by just an ad saying, oh, you know, Trudeau is evil. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm showing a bit of my political colors by saying... By saying that by he's ad. not actually no. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, like, you know, being being in Alberta, like, you, you hear a lot of stuff, you know, anti-Trudeau, anti-Notley stuff, and, and not to say I am hard set one way or the other, but it's like just someone saying stuff like that, that's not going to, you know, swing me. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone posts, you know, an article or whatever, like, I saw a post on Reddit today how, uh, you know, Notley put a, an open, I guess it was an open letter to Trudeau on the uh, Northern Gateway pipeline, and like it was, it was a well-written letter, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." You know, a premier stepping up for us, whatever. That influenced me, I guess. You know, saying like, "Yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to see that." I, I wouldn't say that I swung that way. I wasn't anti-Notley before, and now all of a sudden, this letter like swung me. But for all I know, that that letter could have been posted by a a Russian troll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know Wh- whoever's trying to influence the Alberta politics. I guess. Yeah. The thing that gets me is when you're talking about something and you're not even on your phone and then all of a sudden an ad comes up on Facebook for that specific product or something that you were talking about with somebody and you're like are they are they listening to me how how does that work because that's that's scarier yeah I've actually seen that this happen again I think this is large I feel like it's confirmation bias but a part of me feels like it's not because like I was listening to a hello internet episode where they talked a lot about tennis and mentioned Roger Federer a couple times. And then that same day, like in my Facebook feed, there's like a Roger Federer or something or other that was unrelated to anything else. Now, it may have been like a anti-perspirant ad or something where I would have been targeted anyway. So that's part of that confirmation bias where like you see a million ads a day that aren't related, but the one that is, you like notice it. So that that's part of why I think there isn't too much to it. But I, I have had that experience where you're talking about something or like you're talking about i don't know 747s like if 747s crash more often and then you start typing to go do 747s and it'll autocomplete crash more often or something like that right it's like whoa like that was really creepy but again like you search like a million things a day where that doesn't happen so it's it's hard to gauge that but i i definitely hear what you're saying where like a lot of these apps do have access to your microphone like your phone is typically like if you have you know the the Siri on or the Google now where it's, it has the trigger words and it's listening to you. Like the microphone is on. So, you know, like maybe these apps are listening to you and trying to figure out what you're talking about and what ads to show you. I, I, I honestly don't know. So how far does that go? Like how far can someone take that? Can they then find a way to record your con- private conversations 
and then, you know, solve those to people and like like if somebody really wanted to ruin somebody, yeah. they could easily find a way to tap into all that. So is there I guess kind of lines that need to be drawn with our our security, I guess, with our own technology. That may be a yeah. completely off topic. <laughs> well, no, it's, note, it's, but... it's 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 very relevant, and and like we've had that issue with the the NRA with the whole Snowden thing, where like they they'll go and request information from whatever company, saying, "Hey, we need the the files on whoever," and those companies will either do it or sometimes they say, "No, we can't give you that information." Right? And you know, I I applaud those companies who do at least evaluate whether they should or shouldn't based on whatever, right? Uh, like with the whole the Apple's thing with the phones that were that needed to be unlocked, like that was a really big landmark example of a company respecting privacy on principle. Whether it was whether the people that you know who owned the phones or whether the phones would have helped the case, like that's irrelevant. It's like on principle, they don't want to set a precedent where a company can just unlock a phone on request by the government, right? Um, now, like that's not to say that you know the black not black market but like the non-legitimate you know obtainment of data like there's that risk and vulnerability as well but again it's it's a matter of trust with the companies that they'll you know knowingly act in the right way and that they're taking the proper like security measures well and that specifically like the granting of access to of a government to a phone is as it stands it could be a very dangerous precedent to set because that's potentially fine so long as you like I don't want to get like conspiracy theory like sounding that way but it's fine so long as you trust your government but if there's a sudden change like I mean I'm not saying that I think this is going to happen but like the communist revolution happened where all of a sudden the the bourgeois had to be targeted or they wanted to purge certain certain thinkers like i'm sure they would take it i'm sure there are extreme people who would take issue with something on your phone yeah yours specifically mike (laughs) (laughs) well like if if you're being targeted and that's that's the whole point is like i don't know how much you can get if you're just if it's if there's like a massive data leak it's like yeah unless someone has a reason to target you and it's kind of similar with the the apple iphone unlocking thing like fairly confident that the government would have no reason to request to have my phone unlocked or or looked at but i guess if they wanted to they could pursue that but like i mean i i, I wouldn't want them to but i let's, it's one of those like it's, it's one of those like i have nothing to hide kind of things not not that i'd say like hey look at my phone but it's like if they did like they wouldn't find anything they wouldn't find anything right now like mike say say for example the most dickish of all the Pokemon Go teams, Team Valor, apologies, Trina, if you play, um, say Team Valor was tired of having to compete with everybody, and they wanted to be the very best like no one ever was, and they took power in government, and then they started checking your phone to see if you were one of the filthy instinct or mystic, and they just started imprisoning all the people who were instinct or mystic so that they wouldn't compete with them for gym control. What then, Michael? What then? That sounds like a crazy Pogo fanfic <laughs> that I would I would definitely read and or watch. <laughs> okay. In a world where Team Valor wants to be the very best, 
<laughs> ah, that's a good one. <laughs> All of a sudden, Mike's standing here. No! I didn't think if the government would find anything objectionable about my phone! No! Uh, so, Nick, what are what are your expectations of of your privacy or security of information online? I, I mean, right now as it stands, I have an expectation that everything I do on my phone or online is publicly available. Like, I just assume that someone could potentially read over my shoulder and you just have to do things with that expectation yeah i think that's that's probably a safe a safe bad this was one of those similar to how you know employees and employers have this thing of an employer finding out someone posted something online and you know responding to that or disciplining them whatever but I i think i feel like in my memory anyway a lot of the time the employer is found to be justified in their actions when they have, you know, people portraying themselves or saying things online on social media, typically, you know, either defaming the company or acting against company policy or whatever, right? And, you know, the response is like, oh, well, like, it's my social media life, it's my personal life, my private life, whatever. And it's like, well, it's not. Like, it's, it's you know, don't don't say or post anything. Well, I mean, about anyone, this is just a good general rule as a person. It's like, don't say anything that you wouldn't say in front of the person, kind of, right? Like, I mean, outside of talking to a lawyer or doctor, like, or just in confidence with a person. But if you're saying anything like semi-publicly, don't say anything about someone that you wouldn't say in front of them, basically. Or, or, you know, behave in a way that you wouldn't want, you know, your boss to see or your significant other to see, like, whatever. I don't know. It's, I think it's just a good general rule to live by. And I guess maybe that's why I feel that I wouldn't have too much to worry about but i can also understand that you know if someone has a bit more like sensitive stuff that might be discovered that they wouldn't want seen then i can see why they wouldn't like the idea of facebook just sharing sharing their information or their data with other people i can also tell you having worked slash volunteered in and around politics there are some conversations where you don't have them over a phone you say hey can we meet here like (laughs) not necessarily on our phones be because of the risk of possibly having those phone records like obtained kind of the idea not necessarily just you don't want anyone listening in kind you of thing don't want, or... you don't want the words written down anywhere written well so i mean written slash recorded yeah right i was actually thinking about this because on one hand you know i i say you know i don't expect any of my information to be private or kept secure or whatever but when you look at, say, like medical records or like the CRA, when you submit your tax forms, like not that there's a huge level of, you know, groundbreaking secrets in my CRA tax form. But it's like you when, when you do, when you submit those types of things or, or have those records, like you expect those to be private, not not for any specific reason or purposes. Like, well, why would my medical records be obtainable? Right. So like it's almost like a double standard. Because, like, if the government had a similar thing where it's, like, they sold our data, it's, like, that'd be crazy. But maybe that's a little bit different. Is it, though? I don't know. Well, that's why I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, do, do you think it's not? I don't know. I think it's, I mean, it's the same kind of agreement that you make, right? You go into the doctor understanding that that is a private conversation. 
So if you go on social media with the understanding that it's not a private conversation, then is it, you know, I don't know, I guess, I guess when you agree to go to a doctor and have them keep your medical record, you are signing a, a user agreement, basically saying, and there's like the doctor is saying, I'm not going to share your information unless I have your permission, blah, blah, blah. So when you go sign that agreement on, say, Facebook saying, well, you can use this information, but I'm not giving you permission to, you know, post on my behalf or find my friend's information. Should it be kept at the same kind of level? Right. Can you imagine the targeted ads if they had access <laughs> to your doctor's information? <laughs> Got an it's itch drug. that just won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like but that even comes back to like the thing you're talking about recording conversations like if, if that was a case and you start talking about like hemorrhoids yeah. and you can see like preparation h ads it's like well that's convenient yeah i mean creepy but convenient <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean like and and i think it comes back to like when you sign or click on the i agree button when you sign up for facebook and it says you know, we will share your date, you know, anon- might might say anonymized data or metadata, whatever, with third parties for the purposes of blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think there's an opt-out option for that. No. Right? Um, now, when you, on your Facebook profile, and Facebook has been advertising this pretty vehemently the last couple of weeks, about that you do have privacy settings on your account. But I think the problem is, is that all those are opt-out. They're not opt-in. Mm-hmm. so you actually have like, to go in and say no i don't want this shared right and and by that point you know this perfect case right here is that like by the time you realize those are there like it's too late yeah. because your data's already been shared mm-hmm. so i it, it kind of comes back to does do these companies have a responsibility to make sure these types of things are opt out and or opt in not opt out um you mean if they prompt you to say hey can we share your data like i think a hundred percent of people would say no right um now like when i install like a new piece of software there's often things saying like oh can you do are you willing to sign up for like the customer experience program to you know share your performance for future upgrades or whatever sometimes i'll say yes but again like i guess talking about it now i i don't know what specific system information they're getting like my understanding was always just you know when our program's running like this is the ram use this is the processor use whatever and like i don't care about that like mm-hmm. you have all those numbers that you want but if it's you know tracking whatever then i don't want chrome to know the amount of ram on my computer that it actually takes up i don't yeah, want them to tra- know that hardship that they put on me chrome should be well aware of it by now. <laughs> Well, and there's a new thing now. We just got a letter from our car insurance company saying, here's this program where you can get this app on your phone and it'll track your driving methods. And if you're considered a safer driver, we'll lower your rate. And I was like, ooh, lower rate. And Dan was like, no way. (laughs) That's an invasion of privacy. And I'm like, well, 
is it though? You're giving them permission, and they claim they're Dan, not. Do like... you have anything to hide from me? <laughs> Driving wise, maybe. But it's like we won't keep track of your speed or anything. Just you know, if you break hard and if you're, you know, just like your driving habits, your, what time you're out at night. And it's like, well, I, like how far do we take this? Whereas we have things monitoring our every move, basically. Yeah. Well, and the thing to remember with those types of things is those insurance companies would never do that if it wasn't in their best interest. Mm -hmm. So like you'd like to think, oh, yeah, I'm a great driver. Yeah. And it's like, are you, though? <laughs> it's like, are they going to raise your rates because you break harder than they'd like? Yeah. Um, And and then, you know, I we talked about this on I always forget which episode or show we talked about it on. We talked about it before, either on Desktop or Future Chat, about insurance companies and how like they've gotten so good at analyzing data and setting their premiums and stuff and, you know, discriminating in the technical term on pricing, but then people complain about it. It's like, that's their job. Like they're supposed to give better rates to certain types of people. Like that's the whole reason why they're there. But at a certain point, it just becomes like, you know, the, the insurance premiums is just the cost of whatever. Like it's just a flat cost for everyone because they're not allowed to discriminate based on whatever. But yeah, the the thing with the uh, the tracking the car performance, like I've actually considered at times getting like a device like that, like not for the insurance company, but they have just third party aftermarket stuff that you can put into your car. Like a dash that cam? Will track or... No, it's like a thing that you plug into... I don't know. It's not the engine. It's like the computer part of the car, mm -hmm. like behind the steering column. I think it's somewhere in there. It depends on the and, car. Yeah. And it, uh, it will track, you know, exactly that stuff that Trina was mentioning. Like that's about braking stuff, like gas mileage. Um, I'm sure you can let it track speed if you wanted to, like just everything that the car computer can see, it will see basically. And then, you know, it'll remind you when to do like tune ups or whatever, changes based on your kilometers like all that kind of stuff and i think it could be pretty fun and cool and convenient whatever i just haven't gotten around to doing it or haven't wanted it enough to actually do it but then uh, would that information be available online yeah or well, is that's, it that's just thing. local to your phone yeah like you're, you're signing up for a service for those typically and so you know it's kind of a whole you know facebook cambridge analytica situation where like are those is that data being sold to insurance companies like i yeah. almost guarantee that they are yeah right and you're probably signing an agreement saying that they can have access to your data whatever like you know in a anonymized way or whatever right so uh yeah it's it's definitely one of those things that it, it takes something like the facebook thing to actually think about and realize that this is probably happening everywhere. Yeah. And even the thing about selling data and the Russians using it, whatever, like this isn't happening to just Facebook. Yeah. This, it, like Facebook just got caught doing it. Mm -hmm. That That's the whole, that's the bottom line. Like I'm sure, in, well, Instagram is Facebook. I'm sure Twitter and, you know, LinkedIn and Snapchat and like all those types of services all do the same thing, right? Even if it's like isolated, like one-off cases, like it's happened before and it will happen again. It's just like, as a consumer, it's on us to decide if, like, that risk, if, you know, on that risk of value, if that's worth using the service. And personally, I'd prefer, you know, to handpick a couple of services that I pay a couple bucks a month to use if it meant that my data didn't have to be sold or that I didn't have to be targeted for advertising. But in the meantime, that's all we have to work with. And I think as long as that's the only option, like, that's, people are going to keep doing that, even if it meant that, you know, you had to, you know, go serve 
two years in their mail room to use their service like people probably still do it (laughs) (laughs) i guess the next question then would be at what point in all this does everybody just up and leave facebook like what does it what is it going to take for that shift and is that ever going to be a thing i wanted that to happen when google plus came out and we're still here (laughs) so yeah we we tried google plus yeah we tried (laughs) because i'm like i i Part of me is like, I would just want to leave Facebook, but then I'm like, I wouldn't get invited to events. I wouldn't know what's happening in my family that doesn't live here. Like, you'd feel left out. Yeah. Like, I had the same thing. I also, I now have Google Messenger on my phone, despite my protests, because Kai and I were going to a, to an event, and she's like, oh, can you do Messenger right now? It's like, no, it's not on my phone. I don't want it on my phone. She's like, mm-hmm. well, we need to message these people. It's like, I don't want to, like... I don't have it. She's like, well, I don't want it on my phone. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Well, joke's on you. Now they have your data anyway because you're my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like we live in such a a fear of missing out world that like it's like we're almost all going to have to take this blood pact of yes, let's all leave Facebook right now or we're all just going (laughs) to stay and keep doing what we do. And I mean, given the utility of facebook i feel like we're just going to migrate to a different network that does the same uh, the same or similar thing or yeah. enables the yeah. same thing mm-hmm. unless unless they pinky promise not to nick <laughs> well and there's we <laughs> just got onto one called vero and it claims that it's um ad free and all this and i'm like okay it doesn't cost anything how is this ad free what are you doing with my data they, but I, I think it's only ad free for so many for so many people, and then they're going to start charging for it. But I think what they want to like, do is that's what? like a premium idea where they actually mm-hmm. charge you to use the service. Mm-hmm. Well, they will eventually. They just want a user based a user base first. Yeah. Or that's so then it's I've like well read about it. And then at what point? And they're totally like going off this. Hey, you can trust us. We're not going to sell. And it's like well. At what point, though, are you? Because we how will else are definitely you make money? not sell your data to the Russians. Yeah, but the North Koreans are totally fair game. I'm right, sorry. we have yeah. to make money. Yeah, I think you know, talking about Facebook going away or whatever, I feel like that's not going to happen. Like people aren't going to leave Facebook for something else, but there might be more of a case where, like, our kids' generation won't be on Facebook. Right, because I think Facebook right now, like for kids and maybe even like teens or preteens or whatever, like Facebook is where your parents are. Yeah, it's so true. Right? So like you don't want to use that as your main thing. Like they might still have an account. Mm-hmm. I maybe. I, but I I, th- I don't think that's gonna be the primary social network. Like it's true. I think at this point, like things like Snapchat or Instagram are probably more commonly used, like on you know, per on a hourly basis or daily basis than facebook is for for kids anyway yeah i feel that's yeah i have cousins that are teenagers and they're on facebook but they never post anything they're on instagram and they're posting everything on instagram so yeah i feel that's probably how it's going to shift it'll be the generational which i mean again instagram is owned by facebook so facebook doesn't really care whether they're on facebook or instagram yeah but at the same time every every social network or social app that has existed has peaked and fallen and it mm-hmm. like the early data would suggest that facebook just peaked like last year and now like uh 
Snapchat, Instagram, others are still like they Google. haven't yet. Peaked. <laughs> Google Plus. Google Plus. <laughs> <laughs> its peak is decades away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't know. I feel like we could have had this conversation. I forget how many years ago, but about MySpace, mm-hmm. saying like. You know, like, it's going to take a generational shift to get people away from MySpace. And who's on MySpace anymore? Nobody. No, but that, that that's the point, though, is that it was a generational shift. Was it? I don't think it was, because we were on MySpace. I, was on, I wasn't on MySpace. Well, you weren't hip and with it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, growing up, the social networks used were, like, Nexopia mm. and MySpace. Right, and then I didn't have any either of those. I maybe signed up for Nexopia, and I was like, "What the heck is this crap?" Um, so then I obviously didn't use it. And then after graduating high school, then people are like, "Oh, are you on Facebook?" And I'm like, "What's that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's for students to sign up and blah 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 blah," because you needed a, a edu uh, email at the time to sign up for Facebook. Hmm. So when I was at the UFC, that's when I signed up for a Facebook account and had my grad picture as my profile picture, like everyone else did. And uh, that that's when I came onto there. And I think that's when most people in, you know, my slash our generation got onto Facebook was around that, you know, graduating high school or just coming into high school time when it was kind of only for people in schools. Uh, and then they obviously opened it up to everyone. But I, I, I don't know what would cause a similar shift. Like there has to be obviously some level of difference between like what's currently available and what's not and i don't know if saying you know we're not going to share your data if that's going to be the thing that causes that because i I don't think that's sustainable for a company to operate on right so they they either need like ads or like a pay model or sell your data which is effectively the advertising aspect so without any of those like people aren't going to pay any amount for social media like not at all like they'll pay for some people might pay for added benefits like premium features but they're not going to pay just to use it no i wouldn't not when there's other options that are free yeah but again the ones that would potentially sell your data or serve you targeted advertising Mm -hmm. which you may or may not be okay with well and i feel like that was one of the reasons that a lot of people left myspace was that it started the ads started becoming more and more prevalent and mm. you would log into MySpace and be like, it's just all ads. That's all I'm seeing. So I'm not going to bother anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I was never I was never on MySpace. And I, because I've kind you of weren't hip pieces and with it, it. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I didn't have my own band. Neither was I, so like. <laughs> you didn't know how to copy and paste code. <laughs> <laughs> so did we have anything else to say on the facebook thing Anyone? i don't think Nick? so no i mean yeah, i think we the, covered a i will share one frustration um we were sitting at the lunch table at work and someone was saying oh yeah i, I saw this story someone actually like downloaded their metadata that facebook had access to and it was it was huge it was like all their phone calls like when they called and how long they were on the phone and like how many text messages they sent and i was like why is this a surprise to you people? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think when when apps ask for access to contacts or your phone call dialer or whatever, my assumption is that it's there because these apps have calling features. Like within Messenger, you can make phone calls. Or right? they so want to like, import yeah. contacts or something. 
or yeah right so it's like well obviously they need access to it like why not right like that's all they're going to use it for but nick i guess if you're saying that facebook did like was like had access to your log i is that I too mean, far yeah I was, again like what are they going to do with it like i don't know like that's up to them if if they do anything with it to begin with i don't know but i i guess i didn't realize that that kind of data was there would that tell me or would that make me not want to use it like i I don't know. I don't think so. Not at this point anyway, because again, I, I don't see any harm in them knowing how long I was on the phone for. Like, I don't even use a phone, really. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, what are you going to do with it was on the phone for 10 minutes? Like, okay. By the way, like, I'm going to Again, be... unless, unless a government agency, like, asks for those call logs. But, you know, they could go, but, to, my, they could go to my cell provider yeah. for that anyway, so. But what if they use that information to go to an opposing cell phone provider and say, oh, this guy... He's talking a lot. Maybe you should give him ads for a better plan with more data time or talk time or whatever. Like, could, you know, like, could it be worth that, that way? I'd want that. I'd want to know if there's a better plan. <laughs> <laughs> I would say thank you. <laughs> well, Mike clearly accepts and welcomes our new <laughs> Facebook overlords. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that that pretty much covers covers the topic there. Um Nick, I think you said you have to go. I do. I have a hard out. Right? You do have a hard out. I just wonder when I leave this conversation, will I be forgotten? Oh. Do do, do we want to talk about that? Speaking we, of we segues. <laughs> Speaking of segues. Um, yeah, no, I, was, I came across this story this morning and at first I thought it was fairly new, but I guess this right to be forgotten thing is actually more of a, uh, existing concept that's, that's been around for a while. And I do recall hearing about it, uh, a while ago, but I guess there is a case in the, in Europe, European somewhere? Union, European Union yeah. that, uh, well, it started with a guy who wanted his search results, like hits that when you search his name of like a crime he committed before like he wanted those results removed from google because he felt it was damaging to him and the judge had originally had said no we're not going to get those removed because you know it's in the best interest of you know society for those results to still be there because i guess this guy in the judgment of the judge hadn't shown remorse or hadn't changed his ways whatever um so those results were left and I guess this second case that someone came to, to the European Union and said, Hey, we I want these results removed and the judge said yes to remove those results. So I guess these appeals or these requests they originally go through Google or whatever search provider, I guess, to say, Hey, can you take these results off? And then Google decides whether to grant it access or not. Again, in the same judgment of, you know, is this in the best interest of society to keep these results on there? And I guess you can appeal Google's decision through whatever legal means. And this is in the case of this one where I guess the guy's search results had some, again, past criminal history, but they weren't as severe and didn't have kind of like the same nature as the first guy. And this guy had shown remorse or changed his ways, whatever. And so the judge said, yes, you know, even though Google said that they weren't going to remove the search results, that he felt that it was uh, valid or justified to remove them in light of, of all these considerations. So, uh, you know, kind of, kind of along the same lines as the online privacy or, you know, the idea that everything on the internet 
is there forever. Like nothing is removed from the internet, whatever. I guess there is this idea that you can get search results removed. Like you're not removing the pages, just the search result listings when you search for specific names, I guess. So interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, I hadn't really looked too much into the idea of like the right to be forgotten aspect like and i think it's a good idea just to have that as a possibility if you wanted to it's still left up to the search result provider to grant that request and then if you wanted to you could appeal that through again through the the legal process i guess but how Um, what would the concept the negative consequence of that be if i mean i guess through the legal process they're kind of saying yes you can no you can't I guess where where's the line between that and at what point does it become damaging to society to hide information of that nature? I think the idea is like there's there's specific processes to get, you know, a criminal background check, right? So like as an employer you can run a criminal background check or you can voluntarily submit one if you're applying for whatever. But just for anyone to be able to look up and get, you know, what's effectively like a background check on you like it's almost like too easy access or just to be out there like just to kind of come across it without intentionally looking for it I don't think the idea is to hide it or remove it from your history it's just have it be unnecessarily damaging I think the one Um, thought I want to get in on this before I leave is I think it's it's an incredibly interesting question and I'm glad I'm not the person who has to make that ruling because that sounds really hard and difficult but with how pervasive Google itself is and like whatever other search engines that are affected by this court decision, I think it's really interesting that since they are a pseudo monopoly in that search engine space, once they stop showing the results, is it effectively gone or is it like, are they actually still there in the same way that they were? Yeah, because if you wanted to go find that information, you would have to know specifically which website to go look on to find it. But but I think that's that's part of the point is like if you wanted to look up someone's background or criminal history, like you run a proper yeah check through the proper means, right? Um, that's true. It, it's kind of like it's like say I could write a defamatory article about anyone, right? And it would just be there, right? So any time, well, I mean, they have to get you know index properly and get enough clout to rise up to the top of the search results but i mean if it got big enough or just some viral article that wasn't true or whatever like if it was there like you could get that search result removed right just so again people wouldn't come across it so if you're applying for a job and they just did a cursory you know google search on your name just in case anything weird comes up then at least that would pop up as like you know raising questions or whatever right um, so ideally, these employers or whoever is still running proper checks if they're interested in it, but they're just not there for just to come across if they, they don't need to be. So I, I can appreciate the uh, the idea of that. And it's, it's similar to with like, um, I mean, like if you're a teenager and you write some like, you know, ill-advised blog posts on whatever, and it's like, oh, you know, I wrote that a while ago. Like, can you take it off the of search results or whatever, right? Um, then, then I think you could uh, that 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 would be a valid case to to also use mm-hmm. the or, right I mean, to be forgotten thing. I guess if you were um, what's the word? If you're not convicted yet, <laughs> accused. Yeah. If you're sure. if you were accused of a crime and there's like media coverage and there's you know articles in the newspaper and things saying like, oh well, we're the police suspect this guy 
of killing this person. And then later on, he's found innocent. But you go through the search process and all you find is these, you know, the accusation. You know, where does that kind of yeah. cloud Spuddy's image? Yeah, and I, I don't know the specifics on, like, what guidelines that Google uses to decide whether something can be taken down or not. Like, because that, that's a good example. If someone is accused or go through a, goes through a trial and then is found, like, you know, that it didn't go any further, not guilty or whatever, it's like, can that be removed? Yeah. If, like, you were never convicted but you were accused, like, should that still be there? And I guess that's where Google's judgment and, you know, ultimately the legal system's judgment, if you decide to take it further on if that kind of thing should be should be removed but like even this uh this article here on this first case like the judge even says you know i expect this to come up many more times especially now that this case where the judge has overturned or overruled google's initial judgment and saying like you know google isn't the final word like if you know sometimes google is not having the correct or the same judgment as as a judge would so um yeah, no, definitely, definitely interesting, and and I think it is definitely related to the the online privacy and and the stuff that's out there. And again, just if it's if it's something that you might not want online later, like maybe just don't do it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Good rule of thumb. Yep. Um, so Trina, where can people find you online, or I guess the Northern Nerd Network and the Nerdcast and all that good stuff? Well, we have our own website called the northernnerdnetwork.com um you can also find us on facebook <laughs> if you really <laughs> want to go there facebook.com slash northern nerd um we're a little more prevalent on twitter at northern underscore nerd and we have a youtube channel youtube.com slash northern nerd network cool yeah and uh you guys are a part of the alberta podcast network powered by atb we sure so are. you can find their show and ours on albertapodcastnetwork.com so uh thanks trina for for being here today it was a great pleasure I had a lot of fun i did too thanks for having me and uh we'll see you all next month Hey everybody, Rob here. I've got a couple pieces of follow-up. Uh, at the end of March, I hit level 40 in Pokemon Go, and a little about around a week uh, after that, on April 3rd, my wife gave birth to our daughter, Evelina, and that's why I was not on this episode of Future Chat. Just wanted to say thank you all for listening, and I look forward to being back soon. See you all next time.